0: everybody to another episode of grind my gears i got a wicked guest for you today somebody who is fucking awesome Shay pierre owner of pep one of the be- one of the most finest finest sports and training services you can find in gta in canada he's a good friend but before i get back to, to get to him uh this show is brought to you by ashnamdari Log on to ashtonandar.mama.com, visit the pro shop, get yourself some gear, enter discount code BROWNPRIVILEGE, get yourself 10% off. Uh, We got some really good stuff coming out in the pipeline designed by Rebecca Godfrey Artistry. So if you log on to her website, www.rebeccagodfreyartistry.com and join her mailing list, you also get 10% off of all of her gear as well. Now that that bullshit is all aside, Shay, what's up, my man? You can't get this guy off of the fire. He's always exercising, man. Man, so I'd me. be
1: outside right now taking a walk, but since it's such a this is a late night grind episode, I had to make sure that I was safe inside. so We can talk without <laughs> any interruptions.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, my man, how are you? How are you doing? How is everything going through this crazy? Uh, what was eighteen, nineteen months now? Two almost two years.
1: Man, I personally, it's it's been a phenomenal um, kind of transition for me. Um, personally because I've been able to get away from all the chaos and the hecticness of uh, my old daily schedule of, you know, training all day and kind of being all around the city. Um, And I've been able to take a step back and kind of ground myself and my family, which I wasn't able to do as much. Yeah. Uh so I now get to see my boys grow and it's, it's a hectic in a different way. I got three kids, 3 under 3. So I spend hey, all my day with my children and I just kind of get my own little training in when I can.
0: You just had a yeah, I just had another one too, right? Fresh baby?
1: Yep, I got a 3-year-old, uh 18-month-old and uh 3-month-old. Busy man. <laughs> Busy, am, hectic, we, chaotic.
0: We had um we had Benson in uh, December right before all this shit. So I it was it was like you're saying like there was a f- couple months there where I was able to actually like get to spend with him but then uh, the grind came back on during the pandemic so i mean i wish i got to get more time in there but it is what it is right we got we got to pull the weight sometimes right
1: you got to pay the bills
0: yes sir so my man the one thing that people may or may not know is when i since i've known this guy he's been one of the best athletes i've ever Came across on the field, off the field, and like uh, I'm gonna dive right into like your goal and your dream. One of your dreams was to play in the CFL, was to play professional football, and you achieved that dream and you achieved that goal. And you know how was like how was that um, process? Like was it everything that you kind of like thought it would be? You know, going into professional sport and dreaming of it as a kid.
1: You know, it was and the process leading up to it was uh, it was it was hard You know, you have to separate yourself. The grind is real. Um, there's days obviously you don't want to get up and you know this and you got to work a little bit harder than others. You got to put in that one percent little extra day. But man, when I got there, it was, uh, it was a little bit more probably than I even expected. Just coming from, you know, we came from Windsor. So yeah. when you hit to the pro level, you're playing with the guys that are NFL caliber, just came out of NCAA. So I had to work even harder once I got there to just maintain or, you know, try to get to the extra level to even get on the field. I was fortunate enough to play in a few CFL games. Um, didn't go my way where I got to spend a long time. I was, you know, kind of battling my way um you know on, on onto the field on a practice roster spot but it allowed me to uh you know to continue to do what I love and uh you know allowed me to save up you know every penny that I had to you know do what I'm doing now and to uh have a future in in, 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 in training
0: yeah so like um compared because I, I remember what it was like at Windsor like uh like the training camp right comparatively speaking it's got to be on another level just be in a training camp with that with those kind of athletes, right?
1: Yeah, you got to evolve. You got to elevate your game to, you know, especially coming from a CIS uh, program and, you know, small, small school like Windsor where, you know, they just don't get the backing and the funding and the yeah. and the money to, you know, you know, get as many coaches on board like we wanted to, but we had a phenomenal coaching staff when we came to the DB. So we actually had CFL, NFL caliber coaches my first couple of years. So it allowed me to prepare at a very high level and have the mindset and attitude to go there with. But you just you just gotta get out there and you gotta if you're good it's gonna show but you gotta push a little bit harder uh, just to even get recognized because they don't really believe in your skills as a you know OUA player playing with those yeah. kind of guys. That's
0: what I was gonna ask. Like, is there a like forget like what coaches see? Like, in your opinion, when you see guys coming out of the NCAA and Amer- uh, and going through American programs coming up, do you see a? Glaring difference in skill level coming out of America and Canada in terms of football. Cause sometimes when the <laughs> CFL comes together, you don't really get to notice the two different kinds of football that, uh, Canadian and American, cause it's all in one spot, right?
1: You know what? It's, it's their IQ level, um, and their speed in their sense of the game. And their reaction is a little bit, uh, a little bit faster pace for those guys. Like they've played against the top guys in the country and in, in America, you know, they're born to play football over there yeah. where you know over here the game's a little bit slower we're just not as evolved we're just not up to speed when it comes to play recognition but our but our speed and attributes and skills and reaction is most of this is the same but we just haven't evolved in the same type of sense of the game yes. as those guys over there
0: so, uh, like size-wise, did you find that you were smaller than some of the uh, NCAA? No, no. Si- you
1: know size size about the same. A lot of those guys are even a little bit smaller. Those guys, like depending on what team you go to, you know they like bigger, taller guys, or they like quick, fast, you know, more agile guys, just depending on what kind of system they're going for. Yeah. But the speed and all that stuff is the same. It's just their IQ of the game is just a little bit better. It's yeah, so be, so- well,
0: because in in America, you're pretty much playing football from when you're like eight years old. Right. So yeah. you, you by the time you get to high school football, you understand. Like, I remember when we got into training camps and and um, at Windsor and they were starting to introduce like zone. And man, and I was like, what, what in the f-? when I was in high school football in Canada, it's like, hey, there's a the quarterback. Go get him. Right. Go get or, him. Go get there him. was no systems in place in like high school football here, at least. And I can I can safely say that it's still probably like that. But I know for a fact in America, you know, you come out of high school, you better know. So what the difference between zone and man coverage is, or you ain't playing anywhere after that. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. No, if,
1: as for me, as a, like, you know, great athlete, in, in, you know, what I call like a shutdown corner and call is say, hey, say, Shay, you go over here and guard the best player in the field and we'll play a zone or things around you, but we want you to shut that guy down. So I didn't have to learn as much in the college game. And so it was a rude awakening when I got to the, to the CFL game, I had to really study that playbook, right? Cover zero, cover one, all the way to zones, to, you know, all these different formats, and I had to figure out what everybody else was doing yeah. um, in, in in the game. So it was a lot more challenging to figure that out.
0: What's the um, What's the difference in like because when we were playing, you have a certain level of quarterback. Like at the CFL level, as a defensive player, what's the main difference you see? out of that level of quarterback that's coming in that you're playing against? Like, is he a well, more uh, – yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, in, in in the college level, those guys will stare stare their guys down. Yeah. So you, you can read and react so much easier, whereas in the CFL – you know, they keep their eyes straight ahead, right? They really don't try to telegraph where they're throwing it. So yeah. they might be looking at the right side they turn back last second and turn to the left. So if you're a safety, they try to draw you off, obviously, to not let you get into the play. Whereas in the, C- uh, in the OUA-CIS, they'll just stare the guy down. So you really have to watch a lot of film and watch tendencies, right, yeah. the details and nuances, of where these quarterbacks like to go, who their favorite guys are what the defense. I mean what the offensive formations are, Whereas in the, you know, college level, You don't really have to do as much cuz you're going to stare down their best guy and they're going to go right to him.
0: Yeah. Do you find that the um cause like I ne- I didn't get the chance to play pro ball. That's why I asked. I'm asking, do you find that the uh like for me when I look at those fucking offensive linemen, there's no part of me that wants anything to do with engaging cuz some of those guys coming out of the States, they're big motherfuckers. They are huge. And um, did you find when you had to like, like if they call the fucking safety blitz, that you were just like, fuck, you making me run through that shit? Like they're massive. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, know what I mean? you,
1: you know what? You know what? They open up those holes pretty well, just depending on your know, A, B, C gap. Those yeah. will be open pretty good depending because the, the linemen or the, or the D linemen will try to get them away so you, so then you can go through it. Yeah. Okay. So it just it just all depends on the scheme and how they're running it. But, but to you guys, you gotta
0: admit though, there's been some times where those that <laughs> yeah, yeah. fucking old lineman was pulling, and you're like, shit.
1: Oh, <laughs> when those old linemen pull, especially in OU, yeah. when, when we was playing Western yeah. and our and our D lines small, those big old linemen, when they pull, and you got two of them in front of you. All you do is you just try to chop their legs down and just kind of sit res- back and hope okay, for the preserve best. Preserve your knees. <laughs> preserve the knees because they're coming for you.
0: Yeah, man. So like so you had, how many seasons did you play? Two, three, right?
1: After Argonauts in 2012, I didn't end up making the team. I came back to school. I got picked up by Edmonton. I ended up playing three seasons. Okay. Uh, total. So Edmonton, when, Winnipeg.
0: when you, you know, what transition, like what triggered your tra- like transition from like, our, uh, the player mentality? Cause you have to have like a certain mentality to want to play the game still. But what kind of like, in your head was like the trigger moment where you were like, you know, maybe I'm going to transition to what you're doing right now. Where you are coaching and entrepreneurship? Like what was that moment? Um,
1: It's always been something like my passion. It's always been something that I've always wanted to do. Um, I've always loved to coach, always loved to, um, help others, uh, guide others, um, just to be the greatest version of themselves. I know I had so much to offer and to give to people. Um, not just from a coaching, but from a personality standpoint. Yeah. Um, you know, just so it's, I guess the transition came from when I, when, and last season I was getting ready to go to Winnipeg and I already had a kind of feeling that I, you know, was on the bubble. And yeah. I, I, I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to start my business now. It's 2015, I'm going to start my business now. And so I started it in my basement.
0: Yeah, I remember um, so that. Yeah, you had guys coming down your basement, putting had on the I
1: had guys in my basement, you know, took all that, you know, PR money that I had, kind of, you know, slapped some weights down there, and, uh, we you know, we got some people to come, and I was supposed to go back that year in uh, June to Winnipeg, and then they called me, and they're like, they're releasing me. So it didn't go my way, but I had fortunate enough that I had built that business in the off-season. Yeah. And then I just continued it. And uh, it was kind of like, you know, one door closed, another one opened, and I kind of just ran within.
0: Was there a party that still wanted to play? Or was it just like when they released you, you are like, okay, I, I'm accepting this. I-, you know what?
1: I still wanted to play. And you know, over that summer, we got some offers to go to some practice roster uh, teams. But, you know, where, what I was building was I just seen the future and where it could go and I knew if I just played my cards right and I kept grinding and pushing and hustling, I'd be able to make it big in that because a lot of people, well, even right now, a lot of people are always looking for that extra edge, and I knew I could give it to them, and I knew the kind of training that we were doing was going to make a big impact.
0: Now, like, um, do you still get the edge to get back in there? Because you're still a young man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm 32 years old, and like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I feel absolutely phenomenal. And what I know now if you Compared rich, to yeah. what I, yeah. Compared to when I was like twenty two, twenty three, entering the league, man, I I'd be friggin' ten times better than I was. But
0: it's it always goes oh. that same way. It's like it's the same yeah. thing for MMA fighters. It's like what I what I find is like I'm trying. I train with a lot of guys, and I find that the guys that are retired, like from fighting, I have more of a hard time with them in the training room. But the thing is, is age is a bitch, right? Yeah, so yeah. like. Even though you have all this technique built up, like in martial arts, a little different football, you have all the technique built up, and you're like 38, 39. The body, in terms of the explosiveness, is just not there and the wear and tear, right? But uh, the same thing, like if I knew all the shit I knew now when I was 23, like Jesus Christ. (laughs) <laughs> well, and the thing is, I'm peaking now. You
1: usually peak between like your late 20s, early 30s. I'm 32. I'm like, I'm as quick as fast and explosive as I was back then. But I'm leaner. Um, I'm, I'm more shredded than I was. You know, my mindset's even better than it was. Yes. So and, and back then, like I was training all wrong. I was training like a bodybuilder. a big, bulky, 190 pounds. You know, my joints were beat up. And now, so I wasn't doing all the same things. And now I just feel 10 times Better, eating's right, sleeping's right, is right. So, okay. I says okay. all I can do is pass on that knowledge to the next guys.
0: What about um, like I know, like from well, you know, all the setbacks I've incurred during my professional career, but have you had those incidents of any major injuries that kind of like made you?
1: No, you know what? I've been fortunate enough um, that the only kind of major injury. I had was back in college. I did some long jump. I was never a long jump, but I just tried it one day in a in a meet, and I kind of tore the hamstring a little bit. But yeah. I haven't had any major injuries in my entire life. I've been healthy, knock on wood. Uh, sure. That's everything. that's a
0: blessing because, like, if anyone takes away anything from what <laughs> Shay has done, he's he's been able to compete at a high level and keep his body in fucking tact. Don't take me as a fucking example because I have destroyed myself through multiple surgery, but it's a di- fighting's a different animal. And all it's in a all- different
1: animal. It's a different animal. I've been fortunate enough that like I've always done the little things. I'm not saying that you have, but I've always done the little things. Where after practice, I would do an hour stretch. I get in the cold tub. I do the uh, the sauna. I get the action punch. I get the massage. I would do so much. I ate a lot of the right foods over the years. Not as the, not all the best, but I started to eat a lot of the great foods. So like I started to do those things. Uh, which kind of saved my body? Um, like I never missed a practice in the CFL. I was really proud of that. Yeah, uh, it's really hard to do. Um, so, you know, I, I've been able to do all those right things that kind of kept my body in tip top shape.
0: Well, I think like well, too one of the biggest um, differences, like I I, would, I classify football as a combat sport because you you're it's large men fucking running into each other. Let's be honest about it. It's large men and high impacts. So it's a con- it's a combat sport basically. Uh, But one of the, I see the biggest differences in like, say, uh, like boxing or MMA or wrestling is that there's so many components to it. So I find a lot of guys, including myself, a lot of my injuries were from overtraining. Right. And and, um, like people are like, well, why don't you train less? Well, if I have to learn jujitsu and Muay Thai and wrestling and still get my strength and conditioning and cardio, the then boxing, all the components to like, uh, combat sport, like MMA, you're going to over, you have to overtrain. There's no, I don't think even in the CFL or the NFL, there's no athlete that doesn't overtrain. It's just knowing as you age, when to fucking stop or when to like, and that's where I'm kind of, as I get older now and I break myself more and more and more, I'm learning like there's certain days where I wake up and I like, there's like the three first stairs. I take the three stairs up and I'm like, my knees are like, Oh, no. Ashley, you take it easy today, you bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah, no,
1: sometimes you got to take a step back, and it's just knowing, hey, do I need a little extra recovery today? Do I need some extra fuel from the food? It it just, you'll figure that out as you go.
0: Yeah. Now, your coaching style is so innovative. Like, I'm I'm straight up, tell you, I steal some of your shit all the time, and I use it on my (laughs) But But so innovative, like. Where does that come from? I know you're constantly studying and upping your game, but like where are these unique things and positions you put your athletes in and put your athletes through, where does that innovation come from?
1: You know, a lot of it comes from watching the game itself. We try to mimic a lot of actual movement patterns and biomechanics and traits and skills and attributes that you'll see right in the game. And we'll try to load the same movement patterns as that and try to get you into the same form. Yeah. And we can load it, unload it. But if you want to get faster, we always tell your athletes, athletes will come all the time, hey, I want to get more explosive and fast. Yeah. And I say, okay, well, we need to run. We need to run more. And, but what is the thing that you need to get faster at? Most of the time it's acceleration. Yeah. Right? We want to get that first step quickness. We're going to load the same patterns, that horizontal movement pattern with maybe some sled sprints, right? maybe some, some split stance, single leg, unilateral movement. We'll try to figure out exactly from a movement assessment analysis how we can make you better and we'll individualize that. But a lot of the stuff just comes from watching and just Don't. understanding the body and then how you can actually apply that to the sport.
0: Now, like, I know, like, every athlete that comes across you is different. Now, when you have, like, s- like uh, a spoiler, like, because you do a lot of, football athletes and there's different components to that in terms of um position right um how do you approach uh a d lineman and an o lineman in terms of speed because they're not going to have the same attributes as say, a db or a y receiver has that comes to you how do no, you know um, 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 all,
1: all of them are gonna need some of the same skill sets obviously one's going to be a lot bigger than the other but yeah. they're all going to need great footwork great hip mobility you know the ability to get um, decelerate accelerate right quick hands they're all going to need some of those same movements yeah so we train them slightly uh, similar but then it just comes to when we do an initial assessment what are they biomechanically deficient in yeah right and, and a lot of the stuff comes from you know just the feet in general right yeah. we look at the feet we make we, so we do a full assessment, and you know, we can just make him do a squat pattern, and we can see, hey, the arches of the foot collapsing. Hey, are we going into valgus? We have some hip shift. Hey, are we getting some sway in the sh- – like we'll find some things like that, and yeah. that's where we can individualize it. But a lot of stuff that we do, most of the guys are doing the same thing. They might just have different corrective programs. Okay. But we're all kind of doing – because you, you know when you go to a college, you're all doing the, the basic stuff? Yeah. The,
0: the, the about that's what I was about I like to say. Like a
1: squat, a deadlift.
0: Yeah, uh, you, you um, said earlier, like, a hinge. I trained the same way as you trained. Back in the day, it was like bodybuilder style, right? You're just trying to yes. bench, trying to squat, trying to deadlift. And that was like when we were in our 20s and playing at school, that was like, yo, these are the things you got to do to become a better athlete. Whereas over the last 10 years since we've been coaching and since we've been developing – That approach is not necessarily the best anymore. Like, yes, you do need to have some fucking muscle and meat on yourself. But, you know, Aaron Donald didn't get to be Aaron Donald just from all that fucking bench pressing he does. He's got to have all those attributes that you were talking about, right?
1: Well, a lot of it for him, genetics, right? His size, his speed, a lot of it's going to be genetics. Um, He's a big guy, but he's also a lean guy. If you want to be very quick and fast and explosive, you need to have lean, dense muscle mass.
0: Yes, for sure.
1: Right? So you don't want to be, Aaron Donald's not going to be a guy that's holding 30%. 30%. He might have 12, 15%. He's got to have a little bit more uh, uh, body fat on him because he's a bigger guy, but he needs to be lean and quick and fast. Um, And at the same time, he probably does a lot of corrective work when it comes to the feet. The hips and does a lot of those things but at the end of the day we all have these base programs but we just got to find the little small intrinsic things that we can make better
0: now do you find that um a lot of uh, the guys coming out of university programs are still in that like bodybuilding mentality or yes that- yes because the thing is
1: is that they compare themselves to nfl players yeah so they so just like i did when i was that age so i'm only five ten, uh naturally like 180 to 175 pounds which that's where like i i'm the quickest i'm the fastest i'm the most reactive but then i'm looking at guys like patrick peterson back that's naturally that's naturally a six he's six foot one he's naturally 215 pounds that's just how his frame is but i'm trying to get to him because he's the number he's the number one draft pick in the corner yeah. And I'm thinking, i got to be like Patrick Peterson. So I'm trying to build all this muscle that doesn't want to stay in my body. It's like a racehorse. You start putting two, three pounds on a racehorse, they're going to go shoot him in the back because he gets slow. It's, yeah. it's just that much pounds got on him is going to make it slow. So I, all of a sudden, I start putting 10, 15 pounds on me. I'm getting slower. I'm getting stiffer. I'm getting, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not as fast as I was. And so that's what happened to me. And a lot of these college guys go through that. Because their mindset is, I just got to get bigger, stronger, faster. And the bigger doesn't always mean that. Make it bigger, stiffer, slower.
0: Well, I remember – you remember Vernon Davis? Uh, He came out of uh, Maryland, I believe. And he – I was watching a video of him, and he had every lifting fucking record that school ever had. And then the first thing he said when he got to the pros, when he got to the NFL, was he was too slow. He was too slow because he was lifting – he had every power lifting record. He was too dense and he had to lose. I think he lost like 15 or 20 pounds before he even competed in his first NFL game. Mm-hmm. Just because he realized from getting into minicamp that that strategy was not not going to work at that level. And I, I I see the transition happening, but I still see, like especially in, in football, guys are thinking they have to be bigger and stronger than everybody. Yeah. But – it is funny
1: because a lot of guys that I play with in the CFL, like the best players, and even yeah. when I coached as a as a coach for the Toronto Argonauts, the best players, some of them, they never lifted. Yeah. And and, and these are veteran guys, 10, 10 years in the league. They didn't let never lift it and never really liked the lift in college. It's like their body was telling them, if I go start lifting all these heavy weights, it actually might be detrimental to my to my game overall. Actually it might take years off of me. And you yeah. see some of the best players ever that played, Deion Sanders, Randy Moss. Uh, of jerry Rice. a lot of these guys didn't do conventional uh you know modern weightlifting they ran a lot of stadium stairs hills Herschel right? walker, best way too. To get walker yes. hills the best thing that you can do is a lot is run right yes. you run for a living you might as well get really great at running and a great stimulus is hills right yes. cristiano ronaldo runs hills up his driveway yeah. These guys know, they just instinctively know what to do. You don't have to go lift the heavy weights to do it.
0: Well, like uh it, like for MMA, I know a lot like surprisingly a lot of guys do not lift weights. Like I particularly hate lifting heavy weights for the reason being that I can lift heavy weights. There's there's a time and place for that like in your off-season like after a fight, you know, I I have to cut all the weight, I got to put some back on. But I hate it because when I lift heavy, I'm too sore to perform the movements and practice the next day. I'm too, I'm too like my, it takes me way longer to just get loose. And even then my connective tissues are broken down so much. Like even getting my hip up to throw a basic kick is difficult that day. And I think like as sport grows and as, you know, coaches like you continue to, to evolve the game you know we're going to see a whole nother level of athlete once they kind of shift away from that because like in the sport of MMA, like I don't know if you watch a lot of MMA but
1: yeah watch
0: some, watch some of the fucking russians they don't fucking lift weights they no. don't lift weights they're wrestling they're competing and doing the things That's that it. they have to do every day to win yeah. the competition we're not we're not doing like massive bench presses and stuff sure that has its place in like in time, like say you're, you know, you just fought, you're recovering, right? But these guys that are competing at the highest level of all sports, they're not doing these ridiculous fucking lifts. They're, I mean, no, and,
1: and you go do a bench press, you're in a fixed position. But when you're in the bottom position, you're never gonna be just in this. Your hands are all at different places. You got different grips. You look at guys like Khabib, man. He's he's there freaking wrestling bears. You yeah. know what I mean? So
0: well, like I always give this comparison because. I have some some dumb people who always ask to, every time I see them like how hey, how much you bench it how much you bench I'm like oh I don't fucking know I don't I I don't know what my max bench is they're like do, what do you mean I don't know I'm like all I know is when I squeeze you you're gonna want to tap out because it's a, <laughs> it's a it's a different kind of strength that you develop from from sport and doing the thing that you're you know you're you're that I mean places like f45 and they, they all call that functional training i don't fucking yeah, like yeah. that term but it, it's yeah. like the fu- the function of what you're doing and i think that if we can transition away from you know dumbbell presses for football like it's, it has nothing to do with you, your your route yeah. you know what i mean
1: yeah
0: and so and also
1: you put on this extra muscle mass you need more energy
0: to use it. More energy. Like, right. so I, I think that the, if we could take anything away, that, fighting shows that, that that is the biggest negative ever, right? Because yeah. you look at some of the most thickly muscled guys, they don't make it through 15 minutes of fighting at the no. same pace. They may win the fight, but you see a glaring diminish in skill level and in fitness as the game and as the competition goes on and on and on after one round they're toast right you look like a guy like nick and nate diaz they don't lift
1: yeah. weights they just go do triathlons and run yep. and they build endurance for the sport they can take a punch and they'll just keep coming at you because all they do is mma training and then they just supplement that with a little triathlon work and then they just smoke a little bit and they're ready to go <laughs>
0: I didn't I didn't I didn't take my CBD. I need to be awake. I need to be awake for this one. But um like your emphasis on running, right? For like so say you look at um an athlete like me who's had tons of knee issues, right? So what I find is when I run too much, my knees are fucked the next day, right? I have a diminished or I have a diminished knee joint. So when I cross a certain barrier of running, um functionally it wears me down how do you approach yes. like athletes who have those problems because obviously in football and combat sport knee problems are probably the biggest thing like look at the baltimore yes. ravens over the last five weeks what is it five acl tears in five <laughs> in five and like two weeks um how do you approach that with diminished athletes where they have those injuries coming back
1: yeah. So there's many different ways. Obviously we want to keep you off your feet a little bit when we need to get that little extra cardio, you can jump on a bike. Uh, you can, you can, um, you can get into a sports swimming, but first we need to address why you're having those knee issues. Um, you know, you've had some injuries. I think you had the Achilles that I don't know if you have an a, if you've had an ACL. Yeah,
0: I had the ACL and then I had the okay. Achilles last year. I don't, right. Everything. I've had everything. So, <laughs> so
1: first is looking at movement patterns. And you're just biomechanics. So, yeah. we probably have to look at the foot level because we know um, that you can be decoded as an athlete through three ways your foot, or, or sorry, your shoes that you wear yeah. are decoding your feet, right? You put that shoe on, right? That big, thick sole, that sensory deformation chamber. So, we yeah. gotta look at your foot and is that foot stable enough to take the shock and load? of your body three, four times the weight that you put down at it as you walk, sprint, um, and, and you pivot, turn, punch, all those movements. Does, can it biomechanically hold the load and the structure within that arch and you know, all those intrinsic muscles in the foot? Because if you're, a lot of MMA athletes, they'll default and put a lot of the weight off the inside of their foot. Yeah. They, right, they, they, they like to plant and push. And do a lot of the movements off the inside of their foot, which puts a lot of stress on the inside medial of the knee. So, but if you watch some of the great punchers, you'll see how they pivot like throwing and punching. If you can pivot off the outside, because we all know all the force and the punch and the rotation, the explosiveness comes from the foot and then the hip, right? And then that arm comes over as all one complete unit if you don't let that 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 foot harmony with the with the hip and the arm you're not going to get that turnover and speed and out of the punch so we got to know hey where is he distributing all this weight on his leg and can we fix that issue um is he on the kind of heels or is he on the balls and the power side of his foot so we'll look at a lot of that first that's a huge huge thing we also know that a lot of inside edge and pushing off of Comes from reverse torque movement, meaning that you're an MMA athlete. Well, you're going to have a lot of kind of thrust back, but as a yeah. more like sprinting athlete, uh, more multi directional athlete, football, basketball, lacrosse, baseball, hockey, uh, volleyball, you name it, all the movements is forward. You're in a forward locomotive state. Yeah. So you don't want to do movements that are going to make you go backwards, like a hip thrust, like a clean. Um, those are all backwards movements. So if I'm working, I'm always going backwards. Then I'm putting myself in a reverse torque. Yeah. And I yeah, want to I want to make the torque go out, right? So I want to go that way. So, yeah. my, so my foot hits the ground and my heel pops and pivots away. So I'm pivoting off the strong side, not the inside. Also, um, sitting, sitting, um, in this sedentary lifestyle oh,
0: it's the worst. It's the
1: worst. Be, can, can be very detrimental to you yeah. because. You know, as you're sitting right now, hip flexors are getting short. Hey, you're getting long and tight in the back. Yeah. You know, you're sitting on those glutes all day. But you go to places like China, Korea, indigenous cultures. They they sit on the ground, not in chairs.
0: They're barefoot so all day. Barefoot. They're
1: barefoot. They're barefoot all day. And their hand. I mean, their feet are huge. Like just yeah. absolutely huge. Twenty six bones in the feet. Yeah. Thirty three joints. Hundreds of muscles. So, you've got to make sure that those are turned on and activated and primed and stimulated to be able to do a lot of those things. And MMA athletes are a lot of bare feet anyway when they train. Yeah, we,
0: we do the ton of barefoot side. And like when I'm, when because I, I do a lot of, I teach a lot of like boxing, kickboxing and stuff. And I it, people find it a surprise. Like they'll start punching the pads and I'll tell them, stop. I'm like, punch from your feet. I'm like, what the yes. fuck are you talking about? And I take, I said, you, take your big toe and the toe next to it and dig it into the fucking earth, and turn it, and like, it takes them, well, it took me maybe like almost 10 years before I really understood the concept of like using my toes, and using them on the, on the playing surface, on the canvas, wherever the hell you are, whatever surface you play on, whether the field or whatever, and driving off the toes, I think a lot of athletes miss those little teeny things called toes that are the first connection to the ground, yeah, And I think Let's that's exactly what around. you're, that's exactly what you're explaining to me. And then like for basketball players, there's a group of, um, now they're wearing the thickest fucking shoes on the planet. Yeah. You you find like, obviously they have the most impact on their knees because of the, the sheer amount of running the hardwood, yes. then you have that thick Nike fucking sole that they always put on that foot. Do you find that basketball players suffer from like terrible feet once they get that thing, the shoes off?
1: So, so there is a bit of a difference. So like you want to wear a minimalist shoe for your everyday, you know, leisure, right? When you just kind of walk and go to the grocery store, stuff like that. You don't want to wear a big, thick sole. You want to have a more minimalist shoe that kind of um, is kind of the same as your foot so it's a very, very small, has a wide toe box. I wear Vivo and Barefoots, a uh, little branding out there, but I wear those. <laughs> uh, um, and they, they, they've done amazing. But when it comes to sport, you're going to want, you, you don't want as much of a wide toe box only because you don't want all this uh, slide yeah. in your, you, you want to be able to grip. So they make it a little bit more narrow and they have a little bit more support on the back end because there is so much load and shock. From you jumping so high, Man. so much force coming down. That if it if it was minimal, it would put a lot of like just like pressure on the feet. Yeah, uh, like a, you know, tr- go out and run for like a 20k or even a 5k. Um, if you were a minimalist shoes, your feet are really going to ache and burn the next day. Yeah. So you do need a little bit of cushioning, and padding, um, and it allows the foot to kind of get a lot of traction when you do lateral change of directions. But once you take them off, you know you know you want to roll the feet out um and and you just want to be able to just kind of allow the foot just to relax and to open up and not wear socks like try, just try to let it breathe
0: yeah one of the things i do i've been doing for like the last like three or four years and it has i feel i feel the benefits is like i when i'm sitting down watching tv i put the lacrosse ball on the floor and i just like roll my arch out and as soon yes. as i stand up i feel like almost like you're on a cloud because those muscles are always active. Like you're just walking day to day and they're taking that pressure. And like for a sport like uh MMA or any, any sport that does barefoot like gymnastics, I think they, they have pretty minimalist shoes. Like your yeah. arch, get, my arch gets fucking destroyed. Like I have flat feet. I didn't start with flat feet. Like when I was playing football and stuff like that, I had an arch. And then as I kept going in like MMA, those mats flatten your arch out. And the only way – like, one of the things I recommend to people all the time is roll the fucking – like, you don't have to go ham on it, but just put the ball on it and relax that arch because when you stand up, you feel like you're walking on a cloud. You know what I mean? Oh, no,
1: and, and, and add a little point to that. Every single morning when I wake up I brush my teeth, I have my lacrosse ball. I even have a, a little jagged ball. I roll that on. Um, but I also sit in uh, Seiza every day. So if you know Seiza, if everybody knows Seiza. You can look about it on Google. I sit in Seiza, but I say – sit in uh with my uh, with my toes tucked and what, what that does is it opens up the fascia and stretches the fascia that long um, bottom of your foot yeah. and that just needs to lengthen and you really want to be able to touch your bum to your heels and open that up and most people can't even sit like that and really get their toes dug into the ground for more than like 10 15 20 seconds yeah. and that's a position that opens up that fascia and then is if you can um, I, I go as much as I can during the digs. I do a lot of gardening with my wife. Yeah. Uh, during the summertime, we have a nice rock pebbles back there. I walk on those, those uneven surfaces, but I get a lot of stimulation from that. I'm just walking barefoot on that and bare, barefoot on the grass. So that allows that kind of sensory output as well. But those couple of things are going to be huge and beneficial for people.
0: One of the things that when a, my strength coach has is this little, uh, it's like a pin board. And before you train, you go barefoot on it and you just stand on yeah. it. You don't do shit. You just stand on it and you just like move your foot. And it fucking hurts. Like it hurts your foot. But the one thing, like I'm like, at first I was like, coach, why are you making me do this dumb shit for? Like this hurts my foot. And then he's like, get off of it. And then when I got off it, my my mental state, like it literally wakes you up. Like there's so so many nerve endings in your foot that people don't really understand that are there. That if you stimulate them it literally will warm you up not you still have to warm yeah. up but you get what i'm saying there's so many nerve yeah, right. endings in that foot that it's it's a quite often neglected uh body part when it comes to athletic development yeah, because
1: that's the same thing i was talking about with the pebbles right because yeah it's it's working all these balance stability and full body controls so when you come off you get a better sense of your overall surroundings
0: yeah now i wanted to tell like one of the things I know you for is your business acumen and entrepreneurship, like the energy that you bring to your business and the energy that you bring to your clients and stuff. Like how do you approach entrepreneurship? Like you have so many different streams and things that come into your company. Like where does all that vision come from, from to build it? Something like that you have built.
1: Yeah. You know what? Um, it's always a hard question when people ask me this. one. Yes. I never always, I'm always working on so many different things yes. at so many different times. Uh, like I, I would say like I get a good night's sleep, but I'm always trying to think about the next thing that I can do. And I think that's what great visionaries do. And I always try to stay ahead of the game. I read so many different things that don't involve um, fitness. I'm always trying to think about branding and marketing, and that's the biggest thing. If you want to build a business, you have to build your brand. And you have to be able to market yourself very well. Yes. You know, I have friends with master's degrees. And exercise science all these amazing things but they're just not people person and they don't have that knack and that personality on uh, that charisma and that energy to take their business to that next level yeah. and you always got to be think you always got to have two three four different things going on um you know to make a business very successful you can't like it's good to stay you know uh, on right. on, on, a, on a straight line and really build one thing up but eventually you got to start branching out and bringing a little bit more different streams of income. So I started off in the basement, like I said. But yeah. once I started to really build up that business, I knew personally I couldn't put 12, 15 hour days in. It was going to burn me up by the time I hit this, you know, 32 years old. Yeah. And I knew I have a family and I like to spend more time with the family. And I had, a, you know, uh, I, was, I was working at the college as a strength coach, I was working to the pros, and I was doing my, you know, uh, my business. And I said, you know what? Online is the way to go. And I was fortunate enough to get on online before COVID started. So it only amplified from there. It really helped. But I, you also have to know about you know how do I get more team? Like, how do I get more people involved that I can trust to help build and grow it? But I always knew if I was going to train people, I was already using equipment. Yeah. And so I said, if I could just make this equipment better, I should just make it myself and get these athletes to wear it and yeah. brand it for me, and that could be another line of income. Oh I'm already filming these athletes I might as well film what we're doing and sell it as an online program Yeah hey I'm not the greatest in food nutrition but I should bring in somebody that's really good and partner with them and sell that Oh I'm already wearing minimalist shoes I should work with that partner I'm good at branding and personality and talking and I should partner with them so we're all I'm always, I'm always trying to think about how can I get, you know, one foot in the door to take my you know my business but to the next
0: it's, level. It's uh it's like hiring to your weaknesses. So like when I was um when I was in Arizona doing a camp out there, I read uh George Saint Pierre's book, right? And the one thing that they were asking was like, How did you become like such a successful businessman outside of MMA? And he said it was because I didn't try to do everything myself. I tried to I found other people who were Innovative and experts in the certain things, and I, I brought them in and helped build that brand. It seems like it's a, the same mindset and mentality that you used to build. Yeah. Years.
1: And, and one of the biggest things I always tell people is like, I use this model called pour gasoline on the fire. So, something I watch what other people are doing in the industry that are doing it at such a high pace, doing it really, really good. Yeah. And I'll just mimic exactly what they're doing and I'll just make it into my own and make it even better. Yeah. Like, when I go to make a program I'm saying, I'm making a speed program. Well, I'll take a year study what other people are doing, right? Buy all the programs and figure out what are they missing and how can I make that better? Yeah. Because I'm doing it as a, I'm doing that as a user and a client and this is what I would want. And then I do a lot of um, research and analysis of asking questions of what athletes will want and then I'll bring it all together and I'll make it you know, 10 times better and we'll sell it. And when I sell it, I only know we get one opportunity. So if that, buy, if that client buys it, how can I get them to stick with me for life? Yeah. So I hire on a full videographer team and I, and right now I got my own videography staff, graphic guards, all that stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: And you we have, just make it, team.
0: The game we is just games. make it, 10
1: times better visually than everybody else. We give you the breakdown, the biomechanics, the analysis, the why, the how, if you're an athlete, coach, parent, we want to make sure you understand the exact, this is I'm training you. And I don't really get that from a lot of other programs. They might just have their iPhone out, They do the video and that's it.
0: Yeah. So we We have to to
1: make it like this next level. And that keeps that customer for life. We might have, you know, the same customer buy 10 programs.
0: Yeah. Well, because they build that connection with you, even though sometimes you're physically not there, you're, Well, and it's kind of like what you said. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Like, fitness is fitness. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like, like, I know a lot of these different clubs and things that open up and these different franchises try to, like, you know, hit is a big fucking thing. Everybody wants to do hit training, right? But let's be – let's call it like it is. Hit training is not 45 minutes or an hour long class. That's not hit training, right? It's just a package and a brand. But, like, fitness has always been the same thing. You have to do the work. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it seems like your approach, which is the same approach I use, you take what's already given and you just tweak it and make it better and personable to you, to your your brand, right? I think that's where a lot of
1: people – And I always tell people, like, squat's a squat. But how can we make the squat better? How can we tell you our squat is better than, you know – blow Joe down the street squat, right? So we'll talk about, so like, when we were talking about speed and how to get faster, we were trying to draw in what's something that somebody's not talking about, right? Because everybody wants to get faster. So we might talk about the feet and how can you get more explosive? Well, the first thing like I told you about, your foot's the first thing that contacts the ground. If that foot hits and the arch of the foot breaks, you're dissipating forty percent right off the bat. So yeah. you're not. So if we can get that started, and that better. You might. You're, you're going to get faster, and you might get free upgrades up the chain. Your hips going to get stronger. Your core is going to get stronger. Right, all those little things. So, so We might just talk. Right? About,
0: yeah, it's all it's connected.
1: connected. So we might talk about one thing, and that's how we draw you into what we want. So we're always trying to study up. You know, how can we hit the user? even though it's the same exercise same movement we're just going to talk about it in a different way
0: yeah and um there there's this um like like you said like a squat is a squat right but it's 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 almost like how you package that and communicate it to the person because like the way i teach a squat may not resonate with everybody they may not understand it they may not um the way i explain it biomechanically process it in their brain but it's all it's like like you said how you communicate it how you put it together and and obviously you have a personality that like every time i fucking see you man you're always like bring this energy like i'll i'll be up at like 5 a.m and i'll pull up your video and i'll be like shit (laughs) I <laughs> I gotta get and, going. And you know what?
1: And and that's part of it, right? Yeah. Is 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 the personality, the charisma, the energy? I'm the face of the company, so it's like I always gotta be on, and I'm the person that is motivating you to be the greatest version of yourself. So that's who you're gonna see, and that's what we're gonna bring. You have to do that, right? So it's just do you find it business. exhausting?
0: Like, do you find it exhausting? Like, do you get tired of? From- uh, no, no,
1: because you know what? That's me every day already. Yeah. Like, but, like, you know, you look at guys, when they, and these are where I, you know, watch some of the best Chael Sunner, uh, Conor McGregor. They yeah. understand that, that it's a bit of a game, yeah. and they always have to be turned on. They always have to uh, draw the crowd and sell the fight. It's just constant. It's just the way they have to do it. Whereas there's some guys that aren't big names, even though they have the skill and the attributes, they just don't have the personality to sell the fight.
0: Well, like it's funny you should say that because I'm sure you saw Conor's last fight where he broke his leg, right? Mm -hmm. And you know everyone's all critical of him (laughs) because he's talking shit about Dustin's wife. But Dustin and his girl are solid. I've been following his career. He that wasn't even bothering them. But the one thing, like hate him or love him, the guy broke his fucking foot, was lying on the bottom of the cage and promoting the next fight. Promoting the next one. he he broke. Like I don't think people understand. His shin bone was snapped in half, snapped in half, and he was talking shit, challenging the guy to come and fight him while he was on the ground. Promoting like he's like looking at uh, at the uh, commission. He's like that was not a that was not a knockout. That was not a knockout. That was a TK. That was a doctor's thought. Like he was already his mindset was gone from hey this is over whatever happened just happened. But let me keep going. let me let me promote. That's the kind yeah. of energy that I think people, like, they don't understand it because maybe they don't have it. But, like, that's the mentality of a a competitor. But not only a competitor, he just sold his whiskey business for $600 He's a fucking smart guy, too. He's a a
1: businessman. He understands the game. The game is not just fighting. The game is up here.
0: Yeah, and he's an innovator. And, like, hate him or love him. People hate him because he talks and he says all this shit. And I love him because he's transcended the game where – you know, like and I wish all athletes take this into account. You you don't have to rely on the income that you make from playing sport to be your permanent yeah. income for the rest of your life. If you look at a guy yes. like Conor McGregor, look at the average income of a like like look at the average income of an up and coming fighter like myself or whatever. It's 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 horseshit. It's it's nothing. You can't make a living off that. You can't feed your family off of that. But what he's done is he's used his ability to be an athlete and let's be honest in terms of fighting he's not the greatest fighter on the planet not the greatest fight he's a very
1: one-dimensional
0: fantastic fighter but he he can be beaten right and but he's used that gift that he has of talking of entrepreneurship of business of and packaging it into this wonderful amazing brand. brand amazing brand like he has this Connor McGregor Fast program. I guarantee you, he doesn't do shit with that. But he's it's garbage. I've seen it. It's garbage. It's, it's garbage. garbage. It's <laughs> garbage. I guarantee you, but like people fucking buy it because it's got his name on it. And I have, I have I have no it. hate towards that. And anyone that does hate that, fuck you, it's because you're jealous, right? Yeah. That's how it's done. And like that's one of the things I admire about you. And that's how I've modeled myself. And I'm branching off into all these crazy different things. Like My wife sometimes is like, you got to slow down. You got to finish one project. I'm like, no, I'm going to do all of them at the same time. She's like, yeah. Ashley, you don't have to. Do. I'm like, I can do it. I'm fucking super nervous.
1: Because as you're doing one project and you're doing another one, it sparks ideas for the one exactly. that you're doing over here. Exactly. And that's where I've always found. Like I'll be in the middle of one. I'll be working on this. I'm like, oh shit, I can put it more into this one that I just found out.
0: And everyone was like, yo, why did you start a podcast? And I'm like, well, I got tired of creating content. I was like, Sitting there every like Friday night trying to come up with ideas and shit. And I'm like, you know what? I'm actually really good at talking shit on the internet. Why don't I just talk shit on the internet? Yeah. Hey, newsflash, guys. That's a way to, <laughs> that's how you do it, it's right? That's a way to make money. That's yeah. a way to make money. So I'm like, why – Like, you know, Joe, I, I use Joe Rogan because I listen to a lot of his content, but like, he, he basically gave everybody the blueprint to, you know, getting online. He's like, get a microphone, get your phone, and record shit. Let's see That's it. And just put yourself out there. And, you know, the internet is so big, it, people will find you. They'll gravitate towards you. And, I mean, like, you know, like you said, when, when COVID hit, you were fortunate to be online already and have a great big online presence already. What do you recommend to people who, you know, who have been hit hard by this, like in the fitness industry, um, they're kind of grounding, getting their feet wet online now. Like how do they approach it? Cause I know a lot of people have been reaching out to me. I don't know about you, but like they're lost. You know what I mean? With all the shutdowns. It's,
1: it's hard because it's very saturated. It, it's very hard to get it now. And the algorithms have all changed. Um, you know, YouTube 15 years ago, it, uh, now is a, it's possible to you know, get the YouTube channels up, and then that's how Instagram is. It's so difficult. All yeah. you can do is literally you have, but you have to just you have to be very patient, and you have to do. Uh, here, hold on a second. Yeah, no worries. Um, you have to be very patient, and you have to be very consistent because yeah. people will get down on themselves if they don't see instant results within two, three, four weeks. Yeah. It's, it, it's it's an everyday grind. You have to really learn. The nuances of Instagram from the hashtagging, when the post, what kind of content to post, things that are going to go viral, things that I going to get more people to uh, um, comment on Do you. Are you commenting within a certain time frame within that first hour? Are you going on and you know commenting on two hundred to five hundred people's posts a day so yeah. then you can be seen so they can come back to you to start getting your stuff up there? Um, are you working with different businesses? Um, you know, maybe for free to, to, to promote their stuff because they're gonna then promote you. It's just you know, it's a give and take. You know, how much can you do?
0: Yeah, because uh, how much can you commit? Well, it's it's like you say, you can't you can't do it all yourself. I think a lot of people get into business and they think like, well, it's gonna be the straight. It's like any other sport. You think it's a straight linear path. You start a business, you put a product out there, people buy it, and they feel you become successful. Very few times does that happen. And like a handful of times for a certain amount of people for most of the time, it takes, like you said, a constant grind and a constant amount of failure. Like when I, um, when I look back in my, my, my athletic career, like everybody who follows me knows like I'll, I'll, I'll compete. It's going like this then ah, injuries. Then ah, I get better, compete injuries, business goes, there's always, it's almost like a stock market chart. And the more that you can accept that and be patient, like you said, be patient, right? If you keep grinding, the stock go it will go up. It's like an Apple stock. It will go up. But if you, you know, when it takes that dip, if you're like, oh, fuck, man, I'm tired of this shit. I don't know what to do. Well, you're going to fail 100% of the time, right?
1: Yeah. And, and, and you just got to figure out how to keep separating yourself from everybody else. Yeah. It's like training. If I, if I want to be the best. I just got to put in more hours than everybody else. It's just yeah. a it's just a numbers game, right? If I have ten thousand hours of training, you only got a hundred. Of course, I'm going to be better than you. Yeah. I just put in more time. So it's like if you want to succeed, you're just going to have to grind and put in a lot more time than everybody else. Uh, you can't just put in an hour a day and expect that shit's going to happen for you. Uh, it, it could, you know, you get very lucky if that happens. But you just have to put in a lot more time. That's what I tell my a lot of my athletes. How do you separate yourself? Kobe Bryant did it. You know, four o'clock in the, four o'clock in the morning, he'd go work out. Ten o'clock late, you know, three o'clock, he just put in more time. And by the time he was, you know, in his his mid twenties, nobody could catch up to him. He just had accumulated way more time. He invested way more into it. And so the interest was way better.
0: Do you find like a lot of people uh, in the fitness industry on your, that you see are kind of, kind of like that where they they're they're not willing to put in those grind hours you know like we yeah talk-
1: they try to cut corners everybody's always trying to look for the secret method just yeah. like anybody that probably comes to you to train yeah right they're trying to do it they're trying to lose weight in six weeks you know four weeks and idea. it just doesn't happen right and they're blaming you they're like oh you know I, I was supposed to lose 10 pounds in this next six weeks you know you you, you didn't do it for me i'm like well it took you freaking five five ten years to put on the 20 30 pounds you think i'm gonna be able to take it off in two three weeks it doesn't happen it it's it's you 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 have to invest in yourself and there's no secret it's just damn hard work if you want to lose weight you can't eat as many calories you got to go train a little bit more and you got to be dedicated on on doing that there's no quick fix like i can get you you know anywhere you got to be but you got to be able to you know, do it exactly how
0: I tell you. I always use this reference. I don't know if you've seen that movie "Friends with Benefits" with uh, Justin Timberlake, but Woody wo, uh, Woody Harrelson plays a gay guy in that movie, right? And so he's like, uh, you know, he's playing the he's the sports guest the gay guy. He's like, the rules are simple. You want to lose weight, stop eating fatty. And I always, I always, I always remember that that line in that movie when I, you know. When I'm at like eleven o'clock and I'm like, "Fuck, I want a pizza." I'm like, "No, bitch." That 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 constant like need for mouth pleasure that people have, the like that that three or four seconds of weakness that could lead to your demise. Not necessarily in athletics. I'm not just talking about athletics all the time. I'm talking about just generic lifestyle. The the willpower to to, to just say, "Oh, I rather eat this than be healthy." You know what I mean? It, it, I find it's, uh, it's um, in our culture too much. Just maybe it's because food is so readily available to everybody.
1: It's so readily available. It's so damn good. And they design food now to be so addicting. Yes. And it's become a habit for you. And so it's really hard to break those habits. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it's just ingrained in us to, to eat after 8, 9, 10 o'clock and have those extra snacks. It just, it's hard to stop them. And it takes a ton of willpower, which a lot of people don't have. If
0: they did, they'd be out doing some other shit with it. Yeah. Like uh, when I get a new person, when a new client comes to me and I start working with somebody, they're like, oh, I want this goal. I want I want to lose this much weight. I want to lose all this. And I'm like, okay, great. What I do with you is probably 10% of the work. Yeah. The 90% that's going to get those goals are the things that you're going to do when we're not around. When I'm not around, when the coaching is done, like I'm always going to coach you. But it's what you eat, how you sleep, yeah. how you live your life, the choices you make. Uh, you know, am I going to go out with my buddies on a Tuesday night and have a few drinks? Well, if you got to wake up on Wednesday morning, is that a smart decision to do? Right? All those small little things—the ninety percent—I always say that I only do ten percent of the work when I'm yeah. talking to my buddy. The, the the training is one like it all looks extreme but it, let's be honest it's an hour of your day maybe right you have 23 other hours what are you doing with it do you like find I'm, it's the I'm same
1: we, like we've been we've been talking for an hour and i just got three miles and you know you can exactly. find that time to do it
0: do you find that that's the number one excuse people give you they don't have the time
1: yeah a lot of the t- you know what that's one of them and it's just people just don't know what to do. They they honestly just don't. Yeah. They, they they they've been accustomed like you said to eating and sleeping a certain way and 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 just living a certain lifestyle and they've just been so accustomed to it. It's hard to break it. So a lot of it's not just physical, it's mental, it's emotional. Yes. And so you have to break down those barriers and those walls.
0: Yeah, and and the mental part of sport. Now do you do you focus on that a lot with your athletes and people that come to you for work?
1: The, the mental? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a, one of the biggest one, And, and everybody's different, right? Yeah. Like from the youth athlete, the high school, the college, the professional, they all got their own inner demons that they're fighting and the things around them and, and society and, and what people around them want from them and their haters yeah. and all that stuff. So it's really kind of getting to the core of it. It's not getting to the core of it the first day. You start to get to know them, what makes them tick, and I slowly get to kind of unravel all those things just from simple things like the things that I can talk to them about or the tips and tricks and strategies that we do in in the workout room. But at the end of the day, it's all here. And they can be the the most explosive, fastest, dynamic athlete, but if they truly don't believe it when they hit the field, then that's going to be the demise because it's, uh, I would say – it's you know those who say they can and those who say they can't are both usually right. Yeah. So if they go on the field already believing that they're going to lose, they're going to lose the game no matter what. Yeah. If they go in there and they believe like, you know, there's those games, like, and you probably know, I If we go to York, right? They're not a great team. We know we're going to beat them all summer. Then all of a sudden next week we got Western. We're like, oh shit, those guys are better than us. Yeah. We've already lost the game before we even hit the first practice for that yeah.
0: week. 100%, right? 100%. And, and um, I mean, I get, I get this question all the time. But like people always ask, so, you know, fighting is crazy. Like, what does your mind go through when you're when you're like about to fight? And they're surprised by the answer because I always say I'm scared as fuck. And <laughs> like, what do you mean you're scared? I'm like because the a competition. Like when you compete at high levels, no matter what it is, whether it be football, soccer, whatever, there's so many uncertainties that can happen in those minutes that are happening. Like. And your whole, your whole dreams can be shattered. All I'm scared. Like I I tell people all the time, like when the music goes on and I'm walking out, I'm fucking terrified. But no part of me has ever thought I'm going to lose when I'm walking out. I'm scared. I'm scared that there's embarrassment and failure and all those things that come along with everything, not just sport. But I always keep in my head that I will win. And the winning, that attitude comes from preparation. If you've prepared for whatever it is, a meeting, at work, a big presentation, if you put every ounce of preparation that you physically can, it may not be more than the other guy, but if I put in every ounce that I can and know that that was my maximal effort getting ready for this specific thing, whether it be that meeting or a professional competition, when I get in there, I have nothing to worry about. Right?
1: So absolutely. Right. And it's funny, you talked about the George St. Pierre book, and I read that same one. I think it was called Rush. And yes. he talks about the butterflies in his stomach every single time he came out, and that nervousness and anxiety and scared. But those are things that kept him really sharp yes, and right. fine tuned and focused at the task at hand. And just like you said, most people that fail is because they didn't prepare, they didn't right. put in the hours and hours and hours to run. I remember seeing you say, Bull, he said, I spent years practicing for something that takes less than 10 seconds.
0: 10 seconds. Yeah.
1: Right. So you had to put in all this preparation and most of these people fail and they go out there and not only are they scared, they know they're going to fail because they didn't prepare. And so that's why. And then when you do an individual sport, it's even worse because there's nobody else to lean on.
0: Well, like there's, there's been, I would be lying if I didn't say like, I've been in like a fight and I would say my last fight, I got. I barely got hit. He just like hit my nose, and then my whole nose started gushing blood. And blood in a fight is never a good thing. It's always a bad um, indicator sign. So I was still winning the fight. But when you're looking on from the outside, you're like, oh, fuck, he's bleeding, right? And I I would be lying if I didn't say, like, while I'm in the moment, I didn't have, like, uh, a, a second of doubt where I'm like, shit. You know what I mean? What the fuck? But that and that always gonna happen when you're doing stuff in life and competing even in business, right I'm sure there's been times where you know business gets slower, especially in fitness you have those turnover periods, you know what I mean and you're like, shit, what am I gonna do? Well you have two options it's either you fucking lie down or you keep fucking fighting right and, and I think sometimes, especially in fitness industry and in life people say, I'm just gonna lie down. Well, you're already in there. You're already in there. You're already committed to it. Why would you lie down? You had to just keep going. There's not even if you were to fail. Even if you were to fail, you can look back in your life in like 50 years and be like, Yo, I didn't. I didn't lie down for anybody. I didn't lie. I I kept going. I, he, that person was just a better person that day. You know what I mean? And and those are the kind of things I feel like a lot of people are missing in sport and in life, especially with everything that's going on right now. Cause it's very easy to lay down with everything that's going on. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Cause we're like, I hate to say it, but we're kind of um, bred that way as children. Yeah. Right? Like everybody gets a medal. It's okay. You know, things, will, you know, things will be better. Like, like there's no hard times. Like we don't, we don't treat these kids uh, and, and make them kind of evolve. And yes. push through the hard times, um, which is why the things that I'm really trying to emphasize to my wife and to my children that, hey, if you don't know what you're doing, don't just come and call me right away. Try to figure it out. I know you're three years old, but you're, right, you're smart enough to figure it out.
0: And like uh, I uh, what I've taught my daughter since since she was fucking since she was one was like she would fall down and hurt her knee. Like and I, I watch other parents and I don't care what other parents do. Those are their kids. And that's none of my business but I'll see other parents and like the kid falls down and you know, they're crying. Right. But they're not hurt. They're not hurt. Let's be honest. They're not hurt. It's just an emotional reaction. So how I approached it and people might call it, you know, uh, you know, not very friendly, but I tell my daughter, I, I, I'll pick her up. And I say, shake it off. And I walk away. And my daughter does this now. She'll, just, she'll physically shake it off and she stopped yeah. crying. Right. And, with everything that's going on, you know, hard times make hard people. Right. And I think that we were in a lot of soft times. Let's be honest. We we're in a lot of soft times and people got a little comfortable. Now we're in hard times and it's a gut check time, especially in the fitness industry, you know? And, um, that's why I wanted to ask you is your thoughts on everything that's going on in terms of like, I don't want to get into the politics of shit. Cause forget politics, but like, when we talk about sport and fitness and and just gyms in general there's been this like ridiculous attack um on on the industry from government entities and how, what are your thoughts on like how do we overcome that and and move forward from it
1: You know I'm fortunate enough that I haven't had to really deal with that from uh from like a local standpoint from the local gyms and stuff. I I'm in here in my own uh, little private studio, so I do what I want, how I want, when I want to do it. Yeah. Um, I still go by the bylaws, you know. I always always believe that. You know what? If the government says that we need to wear the masks and we got to get vaccinated, um, you know, do I want to go uh, above and beyond and try to uh, not say not do what they say? I don't know. It's, it's if if that's what it is, that's what's going to keep the population safe. Yeah. And uh, you know this, and this vaccine's been the most looked at ever in, in history. Then I got double vaccinated. I did what I was needed to do, just to keep the others around me safe and to make sure that you know these hospitals aren't uh, getting overpopulated with people uh, that are sick. But um, and I don't know. I've been lucky enough that I don't really have to deal too much with all that. So that one's tough on me because I haven't had to get into that real world issue.
0: Yeah, but like, um, you know, like, m- what I'm trying to get at is like, the, the, um, the narrative. Right. I, the, no worries.
1: Hear you for some reason now.
0: Can you hear, can you hear me now? You yeah. Can you hear me now?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I can hear you now. For some reason, sometimes this uh, speaker thing, like this, um, pops up. Yeah. And, like it just turned it off for some reason. It just turned off your your audio. All
0: right, well, we're back. Anyway, what I was saying is what I was trying to get at is like um, how like fitness industry and like uh, gyms and, and sport has been s- kind of uh, viewed at as this threat. You know what I mean? If you do, if we engage in it, you know it's going to be a threat to. Well, like the virus is real. I've had the, have had COVID. I know it's real, but like you feel like there's been a, a unwarranted like attack. On the industry, that's what that's what I was trying to get at.
1: Yeah, like I think that they may think that, like, well, we know that gyms are, you know, I wouldn't say they're not sanitary, and they're probably cleaner than they were before. hundred percent, because because yeah. of COVID. But you know, you go to a gym, it's it, 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 it's just lurking with so many different bacteria and viruses, just the nature of it. There's millions of people going in there throughout the week. Yeah. But um, so so that's one of the places where they deem the most unsafe. Um, just because so many people can go to one place, and and, and there's in this is a cluster of hundreds of people, especially you go to the big gyms like YMCA, yeah, LA yeah. Fitness, right? So they're just deeming those places. So they're the first places they're going to shut down, um, because it's just hard to clean all that equipment in it, in, uh, unless like they're just going everywhere. So this very unsanitary, but they're probably way cleaner 10 times cleaner than,
0: than before. Everybody I know who's a gym owner, I know a lot of gym owners have spent thousands of dollars yeah. making their place frigging cleaner than before. And I think when I was doing the podcast with Corey, he said, this is like the new age of gym is like, if you have a dirty, like rotten looking facility, yeah. like, you need to consider like putting some money into renovation and getting rid of that. Because that is like no longer will you be able to get away with that. You know, how, like the old time you'd be like, Oh, this is a, you know, the old weightlifting gym. Old, like, old dungy gyms. Yeah. You know, you won't be able to get away with that anymore just because of the kind of like the shift that we've had. But there's, I mean, we all know that when you go to the gym, you breathe, you sweat. It's just the nature of it. But there's been this kind of like narrative push that it's like the, the, the bad place to be and that. I've been. Oh, does in- Doug
1: Ford looks like he's going over to the gym. I guess <laughs> the guys that are calling the shots are the last guys that are in the gyms anyway, right? So. Well, yeah,
0: and and you know it's all about your health. It's all about our health. It's all about our health. But, but the people calling the shots—they have never fucking spent a day in their life putting themselves through this grind, right? And um, obviously, there's. A, there's no denying we're we're both on the same page there's a fight- there's a virus out there but the best way to combat is by living a fucking healthy lifestyle yes
1: right? Right. And living the healthy it, lifestyle
0: you no know, we can do all those different measures and six feet apart and wear the mask but let's be honest guys eat right sleep take your vitamins exercise and you'll be fucking fine but those are the things that aren't being pushed it's almost like the conversation that I just told you, what I just said to you is a bad thing. You know what I mean? It goes against the grain.
1: Yeah, and that's the biggest thing people need is they need an outlet. They need somewhere where they can um, let go of some of that uh, built-up anger, I guess, <laughs> from, from these people. But a lot of these people that uh, you know, they used to go to gyms, you broke their routine. So now they're at home and they're locked up all day. And now they're eating like shit. They're not getting out and exercising. And so now you're really making the population 10 times more sick than before.
0: Yeah. And, well, that just puts a lot of pressure on the fitness industry because, uh, like, a lot of places won't survive. Like, uh, a lot of the local gyms, even even Good Life's in trouble. Even Good Life, they have mm-hmm. to take out a big loan to, to, to keep themselves up. They're in trouble, too. And it's not, like, it's not over yet. You know what I mean like this this situation is not over yet where we will lose I've already seen a lot of people who are in fitness transition out because you know they have to they have to pay the bills right let's just just, just they didn't call it like it is they got to pay the bills and with constant shutdowns and the fitness industry being sort of victimized there's what are you gonna do you got you got to leave the industry right at least momentarily so do you see that there's gonna be like I personally think there's fitness isn't going anywhere. There's going to be a high demand for it, especially in the next couple of years. But do you see like there being a lack of fitness professionals with everything that's going on? No, because like you said, it's going to, there's going to be that boom again, um, either on the
1: online circuit, but people are going to get that itch to go back into a community, into a culture and want to be a part of something again. So that's probably going to boom up in the next couple of years as uh, the virus starts to, uh, you know, calm itself down, and people start to live a more normal life. Especially now, like in the summer, it starts to push. It's getting into these winter months that uh, it, it kind of sucks because you know we live in a place where six months out of the year it's cold. Yeah. And we can't get outside and enjoy the, the beautiful sunshine. So, um, if if there is closure, it really kind of sucks the wind out of a lot of people because in the summertime you can go outside and and, yeah. uh, and and right. So that so there was a big boom this summer of people getting back to a lot of clubs and stuff like that, and just getting outside. But Mm -hmm. um like like you said like if if you're going to do half capacity in these gyms and you you know the overhead is so expensive especially now you know the cost of living has gone up and so the overhead you just get a you know three four thousand square foot place you're you're going over you know eight nine ten grand a month to pay for this stuff so if you can't really get the capacity you're gonna you're gonna either be just breaking even and you can't make a living and you put all that time and effort into almost nothing
0: or you'd be taking out loans and just taking to out loans, right? Above.
1: trying to stay afloat. So
0: now, for all that aside, one of my biggest things that I wanted to talk to you about, because you're involved in so many with so many athletes, is um, the future of sport in Ontario. It's taken a big, big hit, and especially now that you know this first month of high school, they're not allowed to do extracurriculars. Kids have not been able to compete and do the things that they've trained to uh, do and they love to do for almost two years now you know how do we like me and you as fitness pros help out with this what what does the future look like because it looks pretty grim, grim right now for those kids um, that are you know say they're in grade 12 11 looking to perform at the next level looking to get scholarships, but they can't, they can't compete. What, what, what do we, what can we do as coaches and what can we do as a fitness community to kind of help them along?
1: It's Very, very challenging for, you know, these grade 11s and 12s because they can't obviously compete. So they don't get the film in order to, you know, get out to those college uh, uh, coaches. So, you know, it, it, like you said, it takes a big community and it takes a lot of coaches like us to but uh put on a lot of these extracurricular activities yeah. uh, in order for them to get that little extra stimulus that they're missing from the game to keep them in tip-top shape and obviously you know as professionals health professionals you know we're we're in a boat where we always have to make money so um, if you're fortunate enough and you can get out there and you can give a lot of these kids that maybe are less fortunate um, some opportunities to jump in like you know we do a lot of extracurricular activities with our organization here's and performance or we work with a lot of uh athletes uh that may not be able to afford programs. Yeah. and so a lot so a lot of our online stuff we give away for free to to athletes that can't afford it. And um and and we do a I run a lot of camps in the summertime. Uh we always have two, three kids that, you know, jump in that 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 can't afford it, that come in for free, that come and play. And, you know, it's just so so there's things like that. Um and then, you know, right now, um they just don't have a lot of the budgets for some, you know, for a lot of sports in high schools anymore, or if they do, they had to cut it significantly um, for, for other things. But, you know, it's just going to be like that for a little while. So a lot of these kids, they, they just have to find uh, different outlets and they got to, they got to go into different activities to keep them, to keep them rolling. They got to go a lot of extracurriculars.
0: Uh, um, How do, how do we like, so some of these kids are going to miss Two possibly three years of collegiate sport, right um, do you think that because I feel like in we won't see it right now, but maybe in two or three years we will see a maybe a potential decline in the level of athletes to come out of Canada because of that? Do you feel like there's a way that we can help rectify that with the the missing of the game time and the play experience that they've the
1: only way that you can you know mimic the game is by playing it yeah so no matter right. what there's gonna no matter what there's gonna be a hit um the only way that those athletes can continue to play at a very high level is to just practice a ton practice the sport as much as they can um and they gotta go out and they gotta they gotta go play in the rep leagues because there are rep leagues still you know there's yeah. soccer basketball football, right so you gotta go and you so if you're not doing it in high school you gotta go in the community and get into a sport out there and if there's not as many and then you just got to find the, the tournaments you got to travel and and you got to make yourself available you got to you, you got to scour it if this is what you want to do then you got to make yourself available and go out to the states or anywhere around the world and kind of and kind of get in there
0: yeah cuz like um for for any young athletes that are listening there's a lot of guys that were in their in their 20s and teens that I know that are competing in MMA that They literally packed their shit up and went to the states for like eight months, and were training down there, and they were able to compete. And then obviously you can't stay there for the whole fucking time; you got to come back, you know, immigration rules and stuff. But those are some of the sacrifices people might have to make. But it's unfortunate that they're in this position, and 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 it's hard as like there's so much stuff I want to do to help them. But the biggest thing I would say is from an athlete like myself who has had injuries and have had to sit out, not for the same reasons that they have to sit out, is one of the things you can do that is very underrated is mental reps. Like watching your sport, taking those mental reps and almost like doing it in your head over and over and over to the point where when it actually happens in front of you, when you get back into the game, when things do open up and you're able to, it almost seems like you've done it a million times, even though you haven't, right? And I mean, we do this in normal training, whatever, those mental reps, but this is a time where, you know, you're not able to compete. So I think it's probably the most important thing you can do right now.
1: A lot of mental reps are just watching a lot of video, studying the game, right? Becoming a student of the game, watching yourself from previous years, watching the people that you like and want to mimic and want to, you know, have the same skill set as it's all those little things right and it's, it's just it's just a lot of kids don't know that um they need a lot of guidance on that and it's because it's very boring yeah and it, you yeah. know it's, it's
0: very boring so yeah like uh, one of the things whenever i have a surgery or an injury from mma i end up diving deep into watching old fights like very old like pride and old old competitions because it's very easy to look at the new game, the new NFL, the new NBA and see all the crazy athletes. But it's if you go back in time and watch some of the greats do some of the stuff they do, it's no different than what's happening now. It's just on a n- another level. But there's also some technical things that they were doing back then that gets lost in the evolution of sport that if you pay attention, it could give you a significant advantage in your sport coming back. You know what I mean? Like I, when I look at the NFL, one of the things for me that's missing in the NFL and CFL are, you know, back in the day, guys had very good tackling technique. They, they squared their shoulders and they ran through people. Whereas nowadays it's not as clean. You get the odd once in a while, big hits and you know what I mean? But when we're talking about some of the all time greats, they were better and cleaner at tackling. So like, for example, if you're a football athlete now who hasn't been able to play two years, study those guys. Look at their technique and mimic it. Do it in your basement if you have to. You know what I mean? It, it, those are the things you can do. But, I mean, it, it's so difficult when they can't play. And they got to yeah. get back to playing.
1: Yeah, well, all these kids nowadays are just looking for the big shot, right, look for the highlight knockout. So yeah. they're not going to be as clean and as uh, you know efficient as you know the guys in the in the old days where the social media wasn't a thing they didn't you know tsn highlights weren't the thing they were just going out and they just need to make that solid tackle yeah. right so they weren't so so, so they weren't getting that in.
0: How, how do we get sport back what do we have to do
1: man that's a tough one i guess we just gotta wait <laughs> we 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 gotta wait on uh the government that's just that's just what it is like all we can do is just kind of uh I don't know, man. That's that's a tough question. I think everybody's kinda of wondering that and trying to figure it all out. I think it's just kinda of doing the waiting and hopefully everybody starts vaccinated and things just kinda of turn around. It's yeah. it's just a waiting game.
0: Yeah, so I mean it, at this point it is what it is. I mean there's not much that we can do, but at the same time I think whoever's left in the fitness industry has got to step up a little bit, and yeah, and uh, you know, and I'm not put trying to put anybody on the spot or anything like that, but I think that if we do want sport and the fitness industry to thrive, like I know fitness industry will thrive, but I'm I'm a little more worried about sport, sport in general, sport and competition. The loss, the loss of those years for a lot of people will lead to non-participation. In the future you know you know like when you take time off and you you have a hard time getting back into it right i'm afraid that some of that time off will like we were talking about given to that that mindset of laziness yeah and we have and
1: and the thing is like uh this is my this is my thing like if i love football no matter if there's a pandemic or i'm not playing football or not that's what i want to do that i'm going to figure out a way way to do it, uh i'm gonna I'm figure out a way to do it and get better and uh continue my grind so when it, what does come back up right and, and and those kids that you know come out of it those are the kids that are meant to you know continue and to, to push those are the kids that just never gave up and they, like you said just make them harder made them stronger and yeah. more resilient their, their grind was real they came out and they were better than when they left and those are the kids that are going to rise to the top and I think sport will be all right because you're always going to have, have, you know, and it, it, it might even come back stronger because those are the kids that are coming back. So you're going to get the best of the best.
0: Yeah, hey, best
1: hey. of the best coming
0: back. And that could be like I, like, I'm not, I don't doubt that. I, I just, you're going to have the best of the best. I'm more worried about the ones that maybe weren't going to be professional athletes, and that was their only <laughs> chance. That was their only, uh, their only time to play. You know what I mean? They've lost. No, that absolutely.
1: Experience. Well, hopefully they got into what they wanted to get into a little bit faster. Yeah. Hopefully they, they, they figured it out and they didn't have to waste any more time, uh, you know, just kind of riding the, riding the bench or whatever. And they kind of figured out what they were going to do quicker and they got into their profession faster. So actually, you know, they're doing better than they were.
0: Absolutely. So anyway, let's let's wrap this shit up. We've been fucking talking for forever. Yeah. But man, it was, a, it was great catching up with you and talking about all this stuff. Can you let let everybody know where to find you? How they can get in touch with you if they want to train, if they want to see any of your programs? How do they get? It?
1: Yeah, so the best way to find me is on Instagram at Pierre's Elite Performance. Uh, that's the hash um, or, or or a fast hashtag on there. A lot of our stuff comes up. Or you can go to Pierre's dot com. That's where you find a lot of our products and programs on there. Um, and uh, yeah, man, because it it, it it was great to catch up with you chatting it
0: up and uh man i enjoyed it yeah man we'll do it again anytime that was the funnest the funnest i love doing this shit and talking to people because well one there's no filters you can say whatever the hell you want but two it's a it's always a learning experience like i always learn something talking right and that's one of the if i finish this shit off anyway I just like talk to people People are friendly, guys. Everybody talk to each other. Absolutely, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. That was another episode of Grind My Gears. Join me next time. Shay, thank you, brother. It was a pleasure. And that's it for me. Buddy, thank you for watching. Please do me a favor. Click the like below. Share on YouTube. Share on Instagram. Share on Facebook. Spread the word so I can keep creating more content for you. Keep providing you with a great podcast experience. Peace out.